Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. My name is Brenton Ford, and today's guest is Craig Percival. I've known Craig for the last couple of years. He and his wife, Lyndall, run the Aqua Shop, which is a swimming shop here in Melbourne. And I first met him through through his work there at the Aqua Shop. But I've come to know more about Craig and, uh, and become good friends with him. And he's a very successful triathlete and multi-sport athlete. Craig finished second overall in the Ultraman World Championships in 2014. He's completed 20 Ironman events, a four-time Hawaii finisher, and he's now getting ready for his biggest challenge yet, which is eight iron distance events in eight days in the eight states and, tor- uh, states and territories across Australia. So Craig will be beginning this in March uh, and running through to the 13th of March, where he's going to finish in Melbourne for his eighth iron distance event. So Craig is on here to talk about his preparation for that, some of the challenges that he's uh, experienced along the way, how he's preparing for it with training, uh, mentally managing his work and, and family life, and also talking about how the eight in eight in eight came to be. So Craig and I have a really good discussion uh, and touch on some aspects of what he thinks about while he's swimming and, how, and what he teaches to his athletes when he's coaching them in the pool. And Craig is just a, a really inspirational guy. He's got a lot of experience in the sport and I think you'll get a lot out of this podcast, whether you're a triathlete or a swimmer. Before we get into it, we've got more freestyle clinics in Australia. So we've just released a few new dates across the east coast of Australia. So go to effortlesswimming.com and click on the clinics link there. And we've also released some uh, freestyle clinics in the US. So you can also book in for those uh, where I'll be in the States in April running some freestyle clinics there. So if you are on the east or the uh, the west coast of the US, there will be a clinic, hopefully not too far away from you, and I'd love to meet you uh, at one of the freestyle clinics there. So go to effortlesswimming.com for that. So let's uh, start with the conversation uh, where Craig is talking about how the 88 came to be. Uh, yeah, hey, Brendan. Thanks for having me on the show, mate. I really appreciate it. Um, I love listening to your podcast while I'm training as well, mate. I thoroughly enjoyed, actually, the Andy Anderson one. Um, I remember how long ago that was, but that was an outstanding uh, interview and, and great to, to hear you guys chew on the fat, so to speak. So, um, yeah, so 88, mate, came up after um, Ultraman World Championships, which were um, back in November 2014. Um, I'd had a, a pretty good race there. I'd come well, almost a, a great race, came second by five minutes. Um, and just on the way back, I just already started thinking about what was next and um, there's no real races that that grabbed me and then um, somehow I came up, with, at some point I came up with the idea of seven Ironmans in seven days around Australia um, and then at some point somebody said to me, what about ACT? And, and so it became eight. Excellent. So for, the, for those that are uh, international who listen to the podcast, there's eight states and territories in Australia. And so you, you're kicking it off in the Northern Territory, is that right? And, and finishing off in Melbourne? Yeah, that's it, mate. So on the 6th of March, 
So starting to uh, obviously get close to that date now, 6th of March, I start in Darwin and then I fly out that afternoon. Uh, well, I'll take you through just the, the, the route if you like. So it goes Darwin, Perth and then Adelaide, which gets all the big flying out of the way first. And then from Adelaide, it goes Hobart, Canberra, Sydney, Brisbane before finishing in Melbourne on the 13th of March. And one, one, of, the, uh, one of the things that's unique about uh, what you're doing is, I mean, obviously it's a, a huge challenge, but the other thing is as well, you've you've got a bit of time pressure to get the Ironmans done and then to jump on flights that night or uh, well, that night for, for a lot of them. Um, so you've, you've got this deadline of when you've, you've got to finish the uh, the event. So, you know, you've got to sort of factor in the um, getting flats on the bike or, um, you know, hitting a, a bit of a low. So um, what, what sort of strategies have you, you put in place to to allow for that, those time challenges? Um, there's only... I've got to be a little, bit, a little careful because I obviously don't want to um, not give it its due respect because um, I do believe I can finish it, but I, it is also a massive undertaking and um, I do need to be careful, as you say, about hitting a bad patch, which is more, I think, would be more based around a, a nutritional deficiency rather than... Um, I don't know, running out of fitness or anything like that. I don't think that'll happen. So um, Perth, as an example, um, is a really, really tight day. Um, as it stands, well, as up until yesterday, the pool's opened at 5.30 a.m. Uh, and the flight is out of Perth at 5 p.m. So, you know, we kind of, given that we want to be at the airport or I want to be finished, <laughs> finish the run out the front of the airport at, at 4 that, that's ten and a half hours. Which um, look, I've been back in the day when I used to race more Ironmans. You know, I went nine hours. I'm certainly not that athlete as much anymore. So look, that'll be a really solid day. We'll certainly have um, plenty of plans in place for for flat tires. That you know, if someone's riding with me, they'll be told, or they'll be asked before the ride. You know, are they happy to sacrifice a tire? And we can <laughs> do things like that. Um, well, and and you know, my wife will be in a car. She's um, I guess my main support crew. Um, she'll certainly be floating around, but you know, with the with the routes that we've chosen, there'll be times when you know, obviously we're not together, and she's at the petrol station filling up or anything. So, um, I don't know, that, that just kind of adds to it. I think it's a, a level of excitement that you know, if I get a flat or and I have to you know pick up the pace for a couple of hours, well, you know what, a little bit of um, harden up and and just get it done, so to speak. So. Um, most of the other days aren't too bad. I have a pretty good window. So Darwin's pretty good. Um, Adelaide, I actually spent two nights in Adelaide because the way Adelaide worked was we couldn't get out of Adelaide after the race or after the event to get to Hobart. So actually the way Hobart and Canberra work is I actually fly into those cities the morning of. So I leave Adelaide at 6 a.m. and fly into Hobart at about 9.30 a.m. So I actually start Hobart at you know somewhere around 10.30 um, which will basically have me finishing at I don't know, maybe 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. Um, not really too sure how the body's going to cope and what sort of numbers I'll be able to hold. I'll get a better idea in the next month as, as the training comes together. Mm. Um, but certainly logistically is um, flights being cancelled uh, and especially a nighttime flight seem to be more the ones that are cancelled or delayed. Um, that is probably our biggest risk um, I have a lady helping me. She's put together, a, um, I guess, a risk management strategy, and we've got we've covered a lot of things that I would never have even um, thought of. 
and and have good things in place for those. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, if the airline says they're putting off a flight or um, they're delaying it by three hours, I don't know. We'll, we'll make a plan and then still get it done. And if it means I have to finish a have to finish an Ironman at one or two a.m. in the morning, it's just a few hours less sleep. Um, mm. um, yeah. So looking forward to uh, seeing what comes, mate. Yeah, just just deal with it when it when it comes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to be the person sitting next to you on the flight from Perth if it's a tight finish. If you don't get a shower in, that's going to be, it's going to be, it's probably going to be Lyndall, isn't it? It's going to be your wife. It, uh, next year, so. yeah, you're right. I wouldn't want to be the other person either. But look, we've been, you know, I, I know that I could actually run into the Perth airport. You know, we've even got, <laughs> we know we can get the boarding passes downloaded to our mobiles. So basically, I can walk on. To, I can walk into that airport. Um, I've already got the the run course planned to finish at like a park, just a couple of hundred meters from the entrance. <laughs> so even if it all goes to poo, I can dead set basically run into the airport, um, go straight to the Virgin Lounge. Uh, lucky enough to have a, a membership there and have a quick shower, hope, hopefully. And um, we've just got to get the bike on. The bike's certainly one of the more critical things. Yeah. Um, and you know that's certainly another. Something that we've also got planned is what happens if the bike goes missing or missing or it, um, yeah, ends up in another city, gets squashed, whatever it is. So, you know, all those things are in place. Um, I don't know, in a, in a bizarre, twisted kind of way, you know, I know we will get curveballs during the event. Um, but I, I look forward to that. You know, that happened at Ultraman Worlds. That's a, that's a three day race. And over that 24 hours racing, we had quite a few curveballs, but just in. In any race scenario, it's how you handle those curveballs that, um, you know, whether you're successful or not. Do you, do you think it's going to be harder than Ultraman in a physical sense? Um, I don't I, – I actually don't think so. Ultraman for me is a race, um, and I know when I finished that race, I was um, – you know, that, that was racing. That was that To me, that was – 23 and a half hours over three days of redlining it. And each day I finished, I was completely spent. And then you spend 16 hours recovering and, and, and you go again. Um, this is, this to me will be a little bit different. I, I do expect to take around 11 hours for each one. Um, some of the days I'll, I'll cruise a little bit more and do 12 hours. So I don't think physically I'll be, it'll be a different type of fatigue. There's no doubt I'm going to be tired. I just think, um, going to be much more of a mental game especially the further it goes with the sleep deprivation you know getting up at 4 30 a.m to get those 6 a.m flights um and then you know finishing that ironman at whatever 10 or 11 o'clock at night um i think that's going to be the real challenge but i also think with the you know the emotion of the event and um you know i think certainly what i learned with i guess social media with ultraman was you know sitting on the other side of the world and just Feeling the love through the phone, it, it it really does pick you up, and I think that's one of the amazing things about social media is how it can help you do that. And and I'll certainly, I'll, you know, I'll certainly, we'll certainly be doing that. And you know, that'll be one of one of Lyndall's many roles is even during the events that you know we plan for her to um you know yell out who's just donated some dollars or six months ago who donated donated some you know whatever amount and um. I use that motivation where appropriate and just make sure we get the job done. That's um, that's the absolute priority. And one of the things that we spoke about 
last week when we ran into each other at the pool was that you're finding that the training's the, the easy the easy part. It's, it's managing everything outside of the training where it's a bit more complicated and it's you know may not be your your specialty. So whether it's you know the, the social media which you um, which you'll have Lindell do when you're racing and things like that. But uh, how have you gone managing everything outside of the, the training? So you, you've got family, you've got work, uh, and you've got everything else that goes around the event. How are you going managing that? Um, it's a real stretch at the moment, right? And I'm sure you picked up on that, um, you know, when we saw each other the other week. There's no doubt right now, um, basically because the kids are on school holidays, um, and, and, you know, I love my kids dearly and I'm fortunate enough to spend a massive amount of time with them. Um, but it's, um, it's, it's hard work having the kids on school holidays. They need and deserve a lot of attention. So, you know, once they go back in a week's time, that gives me, um, I think it brings it down to six weeks or five. No, it's five weeks. Um, I certainly plan to have a, that'll free me up during the day a little bit. I'm, I'm fortunate. I guess to be in kind of a similar, uh, I think kind of a similar position to you that, um, with my coaching role, which is what I do full time is, you know, I can coach at night if I need to or write programs or at whatever hour of the day. So, um, I certainly, yeah, Lyndall and I are certainly, um, stretched in a very good way. I guess if, if you like, um, we're fortunate that, um, sorry, blatant business plug, but, um, Aquashop is, is busy at the moment. It's in a busy time of year and, and she, Lyndall was doing a great job. Um, she thrives on that being busy and we're very lucky there. Um, but there's times, mate, you know, the, the kids fall asleep and we just kind of end of the day and just look at each other on the couch and it's just like you've just shattered. But, um, <laughs> I know, you know, and that was the same as how it was before Ultraman, you know, 14 months ago or whatever. We were just absolutely stretched. Um, and look, we make, geez, mate, don't get me wrong. We make our choices on, um, on, on how we've chosen to live our life and how we do live it. And, um, whether we, you know, we don't have a lot of support in Melbourne. So, um, we just make it work, mate. I, you know, there's no excuses in there. It's just realities. We just make it work. And I don't know, to me, I, I cash those, if you like, mental bickies. I start storing those mental bickies up now. Like I know how tired we're getting and, and even, you know, just squeezed in a run then and try and get another run in later tonight. You know, I know, my numbers, mate, at the moment are horrendous. They're slow, all of this. But I know once I freshen up and I start cashing in those mental because of how hard it is at the moment to train, mate, I know, I know they're, they're like $100 notes type thing. So um, it's just, just the way you take anything, right? It's you either take it as a positive or a negative. And, mm. and uh, I think it takes a... It takes really good communication if if you're married or you have a partner or boyfriend girlfriend. It takes really good communication to to have someone who who's training so much and, and when you're busy and you've got kids to manage. And you know, I see you and Lyndall have a have a great relationship and you're, you're both very busy with everything that you do, particularly the Aquashot which you guys run in Melbourne. That's um, I know that's particularly busy this time of year, but it's, um, it's really been cranking over the last couple of years. And uh, if you're not clear on, um, if you don't sort of sit down each day or, you know, at least once a week and just sort of talk about where you're at and, um, and what your plans are and your goals, it can be very hard to, uh, to have so much going on. And the other thing as well, I think it's when you're in a time like this where you just everything is full on, it, it really makes you appreciate though the downtime where you get to take a holiday, you take a breather, and you get to relax. Whereas if you're just, you know, the same plateau, the same pace for, 
you know, for six or 12 months, you don't really see the um, both sides of the coin. So even though, I mean, I can imagine it's very hard to manage it, it does make you appreciate the, the quieter times when you do get to, to chill out for a bit. Yeah, I think um, I think our balance is about as good as you can get. Like we certainly learned, we learned a lesson at Ultraman where, um, you know, Lyndall really sacrificed her fitness for probably the two to three months leading into that race. So, you know, what we've done for this event now is, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday mornings, they are hers and she trains those mornings. Um, and, and that's an absolute, that's, you know, just as important to my training because, you know, I need her in a, a really good fit, healthy mental space when we do this event because um, it's going to be a massive load on her and I don't want to, I don't want to have to be worrying about, you know, how she's coping with it. And um, so, you know, so we learned from that experience and um, she still does stuff for herself over weekends. And, uh, you know, the reality is, Brent, I'm, I'm 44. Um, I can't train 30 hours a week anymore. My, my body just, um, I don't know, uh, doesn't really let me train like it used to and and i also um life doesn't allow that as well you know i i i can i know sorry i know i can go out and you know i did a seven or eight hour ride yesterday loved it loved every second of it and finished and felt really good but is it what i want to do every single day after day no it's probably not anymore you know i have other things in life and um and I still think I can get this thing done. You know, I really believe I will get 88 done based off whatever numbers I end up averaging for this event. Um, I, it was a really, um, just before Ultraman, I actually had a, an interesting, let's call it a, a interesting moment where I decided to download my Garmin. So I don't normally, um, get too into the numbers side of things, but I actually downloaded my Garmin, which was a, a you know, a combo bike run Garmin. Um, the week before Ultraman, I thought, Oh, this will be good. I'll just see what my average numbers are. And um, I know back in the day where I used to race Ironman, it was all for the 12 week prep. It was always 20 hours. It was 19 and a half to 20 hours. That would be my average. I downloaded the Garmin and spat out 13 and a half hours. And I just remember looking at that number and going, 13 and a half hours for a three day race. That's like 24 hours. And I just, you know, screwed the piece of paper up and threw it away. And and honestly, did not think about that number until someone after the race said to me, "Oh, hey, Craig, how much do you train this and that?" And at that point, I remembered that number. And I was like. I was kind of proud of myself that I'd completely shut that number out of my head because it wasn't a positive number. Um, and it also just showed that, you know, sometimes uh, it's not always, you know, numbers are great. You've got to train, don't get me wrong, but um, it's also good to, um, I don't know, for me it was just good to prove that I can still race and can still, I guess, you know, hurt myself when I need to, you know, in, in a positive way that when it's race time, it's race time, it's go time. And, um, yeah, I, don't I think that's the experience coming into play as well. I mean, you've got, is it 20 Ironmans under your belt and been in the sport for, for so long. And, I mean, all of that training and experience builds up to where you, you just don't need to do as much training as you may have had to do in the past. And that's something I noticed with my swimming as well is if I'm fresh and I've done a little bit of work, my times are very similar compared to what I was doing when I was training eight times a week. And... And I think it just, yeah, just comes down to those years of, of being in the water and um, and learning from so many races that you can turn it on a lot easier as opposed to if you're two or three years into the sport. Yeah, you've uh, summed it up perfectly, mate. My first Ironman was 97. I don't know, first triathlon was, well, it would have been somewhere early in the 90s. And, you know, prior to that, it was footy and water polo. So, 
you know, there's almost 30 years of, call it, aerobic development. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I haven't really stopped over those 30 years, even when I haven't been racing, you know, still doing something every day or every second day or whatever. And, and as I say, even, you know, now I recognise it more that, you know, they're just there's just so many dollars in the bank that, um, you know, I know I'll be able to cash in come March. And mm. same way you'll be able to cash in when you race Ironman New Zealand in March, mate. Looking forward to following you with that one. Yeah, that's that's the plan. We'll uh, never know how the first one will go, but yeah, doing the work and 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 then the the rest is up to uh, to how the race goes. So it's uh, it's been fun mixing up the training. I mean, all I was really used to was just swimming and a little bit of running, but now just I feel like I'm sort of starting over. I'm I'm pretty fresh when it comes to the bike and f- just learning what it takes to to get faster on the bike and the sort of training you need to do it's it's been a lot of fun just having that yeah something brand new and um and seeing myself make big you know quite big improvements uh, over a short period of time like when you know when someone starts swimming they might start out at a 2:30 pace but those big jumps to 2:15 to 2 minutes and and so on they come a lot easier and quicker than if you're a few years into the sport so yeah it's it's been fun and uh, looking forward to to racing New Zealand and seeing how that, yeah, how it plays out. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of the reward you get for all the training is, is the racing and, and seeing how all that work you've put in, um, yeah, how it, uh, yeah, how it, how it plays out. So it's going to be a lot of fun. No, you're going to, you're going to smack it, mate. I'm, um, I've already worked out by the time I, I fly out of Melbourne the day before my first one, which is the day you're racing. So I know by the time I land off the plane in Darwin, I'll be able to uh, look up your results. So, um, I know I'm going to see good numbers, mate. And, um, oh, cool. <laughs> I'll make sure I <laughs> come in fast. I'm not stalking you, I'm not stalking you but um, <laughs> I know the, the, the time delay, uh, you'll be done by then. You'll love New Zealand too, mate. It's a great race. I've done that one a couple of times. Oh, cool. Yeah, I can't, can't wait. I've heard the just a beautiful place to race and a, a tough, tough-ish course, but uh, I love the challenge. I like, uh, I kind of like the, yeah, I, I, lo- I love a good challenge and to really have to sort of grind through something. So it's... Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I want to talk quickly about your, I guess, your beliefs and your mantras on um, on goals, on goals, and having something to train for, and health and fitness as you um, as you get older. I mean, you've been in the sport for almost 20 years, and um, so you know what what's what are the sort of beliefs that you have that cause you to, or that have you to continue training and and racing and and doing events like the eight in eight and eight. Oh, look, certainly the eight and eight is um, certainly a little bit over and above probably anything, I, you know, even maybe five years ago that I imagined I was doing. I always had my eye after Ultraman. Oh, sorry, after Ironman to, on Ultraman. Um, that was kind of a, to me, that was a, a natural step. And I think there's a little bit of, I kind of feel like, you know, as this um, ultra running is making a comeback and marathon running is making a comeback, I think people are looking for that next step. So to me... Um, you know, Ultraman, I went and did Ultraman Canada and then, you know, Ultraman Australia just started in Noosa uh, last year and I, I feel there's a, people are looking for that next, um, what do you call it, bucket list mm. thing and, and I'm certainly, I love thinking that way and I certainly encourage my athletes that I look after to, you know, take themselves out of your comfort zone and it doesn't always have to be in a race, you know, it can be a training camp, um, you would have seen that with the, the camps you hold in Thailand there. You see people grow when they, you do the, those hill weeks. So, you know, you talk about the hill weeks, which sound really cool. Mm. People, you know, 
going into it, obviously they're nervous and, and, and you know, will they get through it and how will they cope with this speed, this and that. But, you know, generally people thrive on it. They just, they just need a sniff that they can get through it and they thrive on it and they come out the other side and they're just bulletproof. And, um, I don't know, I think, I think it's good to, to, to do that in training and keep training really varied. You know, it has to be consistent. There's no doubt you have to have consistency in any sort of aerobic sport, I think, with your training. Yeah, but, def- definitely. But, you know, it's just <laughs> don't be afraid to have a crack. You know, there's, there's all, and there's all, these days there's all sorts of things. You know, there's that, that Everesting um, phenomenon where <laughs> you ride up and down the hill for whatever, 12 hours to, to ride the summit. But I think that's a fantastic initiative mm. that those Hills 500 guys put together. Um and that's something you've done, was it a year or two ago? Yeah, I did, actually, yes. Um, sorry, and that wasn't why I brought that one up. And It's just, you know, to me it was cool. It was like, you know, I'd ridden 12 hours before, but that was just like along the flats or whatever. Well, this was different. This was 12 and a half hours up and down the same hill. <laughs> um, so, you know, and, but once again, you know, it, it's, physically it was hard, of course, and nutritionally that sort of thing gets, that, that's probably one of my bigger challenges is just eating enough over the course of those days. But, but mentally, when you finish those days and you look back and you go, I'm right up and down that hill for 12 and a half hours, it kind of, it's like, really, did I actually do that? But come race day, mate, I, you know, I think about that and I, you know, you look at other people on the start line or wh- however you, you know, whatever motivates you and you go, yeah, probably not too many other people did that or did it in the sleep deprived state that I did or did it in the middle of a Melbourne winter or whatever, it's whatever positives you can draw from it. It just, um, just instill more confidence in you that you know you are in a good spot and you can do it and, and no matter what just keep pushing and yeah so to go back to my beliefs just keep pushing back yourself mm. just truly back yourself the work you've done with your coach with your squad whatever it is um the human body is an amazing machine mate you know that and, and i know that and um if you give it a sniff it can do amazing things you just got to feed it and then and, and as long as you mentally want to do something, um, yeah, oh, sky's the limit, mate. And, and what you're talking about there with uh, uh, just those challenges like like Everestine or doing your biggest ride or your biggest swim ever. I mean, I've been pretty new to the bike. Last week, I had my longest ride, which was longest ride ever, which was um, which was six hours. I mean, compared to I guess a lot of uh, Ironman athletes, that's not huge, but just mentally it was like, okay, cool, six hours, came off feeling pretty good, um, you know, not not completely spent. So that's just, you know, a little mental tick there that I know I can take into the next bigger ride that I do and then I'm just going to continue to to grow that and, and build on it. And it just gives you the, the you know, those little confidence boosters that you have each week or every month with different things you do in training it's uh that's what adds up to to confidence when it comes to the start line so it's um yeah just continually challenging yourself and uh, one of my beliefs is just when it comes to health and fitness is that your your body and your health is if you haven't got that you've got you you know it's you don't really have anything else because if you can't look after yourself then it's very hard for you to look after other people and and do anything outside of that so to to make sure that you're you're fit, you're healthy, you're eating well, that's the very first thing you need to, to take care of because you need to be right to look after other people. And I mean, especially I imagine, you know, when you've got kids, you've got a family and, and that sort of thing. Um, if, if you're not, if you're sick, if you're not feeling good, it's very hard to, to take care of the, those other people. 
Yeah, now, beautifully summed up, mate. It's, um, it all starts with that base, and you're going to think of it in terms of aerobic development. You got that base has to be right. You know, if that base is shaky or not right, then um, mm. it all comes crashing down. And yeah, you know, I don't. I've, I've never really believed it's super, super complicated. You know, you talk about the six-hour ride, and all, you know, you add ten percent or five percent to it next week, and all of a sudden you're doing six and a half, and and then all of a sudden it's seven, and and all of a sudden next year, Brenton, you're doing an Ultraman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> easy tiger easy yeah, yeah. <laughs> um with uh with swimming so i mean you're a you're a triathlon coach yourself and also um coach a lot of people in swimming and i've had a lot of athletes who you've coached say that you're an excellent coach so what are some of the things that you work on i mean fundamentals the basics of of swimming that you work on with most triathletes that come to you when it comes to being in the water I really appreciate the compliment, mate. But um, we all know, uh, no, no, no. Sorry, mate. You're you're the, you're the benchmark, buddy. And um, I, I thoroughly enjoy uh, what. You, actually, you know, I've got to say, you're doing a great job with effortless swimming, and um, it, it's been great to watch that grow and and grow as it should. Um, you're you're an excellent leader and you're an excellent coach. So um, oh, thank you. Good job. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, so look, you know, for, as a a try swim coach, um, well. Uh, look, I certainly, you know, I certainly advocate open water stuff. I certainly advocate long open water swims in the wetsuit. Um, I'm certainly, I throw in quite a bit of kick. Um, I know I do. Well, I think I do from what people tell me, get my athletes to kick more as, as triathletes than probably what other, some other triathlete coaches do. I just think, um, if, as a triathlete, if you can learn to kick and you can make it part of your arsenal, well, you, you don't, on race day, it doesn't mean, your legs are going to be more tired for the bike and run. I just, I know growing up, um, I used to just hear that about, um, no, no, save your legs for the, for the bike and run. I don't know. I don't really, um, me personally, I don't really believe in that. I, you know, whether you watch the Brownlee swimming or you swimming, Brenton, or, um, I don't know, Prodino or whoever the best triathletes in the world are, those guys kick. And then when they get on the bike, they go bang straight to 40 k's an hour. Um, Sorry, no just disrespect to, to the females in the world. They're the best female triathletes. They kick when they swim. So mm. I certainly throw in kicking. I think it's also a good way to free up a bit of fatigue in the legs, which are, you know, as triathletes, obviously it's um, strongly heavy on the on the legs with bike run. Um, I throw, I, I, I like to do um, quite a bit of um, really intense, I guess, race pace. Um, way above race pace early, uh, like swim start simulation. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of swimmers or a lot of triathletes, they die at that three to four hundred meter mark. Um, and I don't think that's something that's, that's practiced enough. So I certainly do those so that, that my guys, you know, once they get to 500, they're still holding, holding good numbers. And I know, I imagine you're familiar with the fitness tempo trainer, the little beeper metronome. Um, I find that really good for, um, for, for that type of pace sets. Mm. Um, just, just teaching it's, and it's no different to bike run. It's, it's the same thing, you know, whether you use wattage or minutes per kilometer, it's, you know, don't go out and run four minute kilometers if, if you're a five minute kilometer runner. So, um, go out at fives and hold fives. And, and so that's what I try and put in place for the swim as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's so important. Going out at a pace that you can maintain. I mean, I said said happen more often than it should. Is you know someone going out the first one or two hundred meters and uh, 
blown it, blown a gasket, and then just slowing right down. So, um, what I have my athletes do is just work on controlling the heart rate and the stroke rate in that first 50, 100 meters, and and just keeping the heart rate as low as possible while still having that that speed there. And and like you're talking about the working on the, the race starts or the dive starts to to get used to that. It's um you know really good strategy. And we had. Joe Rodriguez from Tower 26 on the podcast fairly recently. And, and that's one of the things he spoke a lot about was that with his athletes in the sets, he'll get them to do a dive start off the wall. And for the first 100 metres, you know, you sort of go in race pace. And then that might be followed by three twos at, at threshold or three twos at race pace. So just uh, getting the, the excitement, the energy up with the dive start and then working on controlling your heart rate and your stroke rate and, uh, and all of that so that, you know, when it comes to race time, you don't go out too fast and blow, you know, halfway through your race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do exactly the same type of thing. I actually, um, so I guess one of mine would be 100 metres, just all out sprint. So way above what you would, um, most people would start a race. But as you push off the wall, you, you set the tempo trainer to beep at you. So, I don't know, let's say um, you want to hold 45 seconds per, um, oh, sorry, let's make it easy, one, one minute per 50 metres, right? And so two-minute pace. So you set the tempo trainer to beep every 30 seconds. So you know that every 25 metres, you've got to be at that 30-second beep. So for the first 100, you just go all out way, way above. And then basically the next time the tempo trainer beeps at you, um, you then slot into that pace. So. Mm. And, yeah, it does. It just teaches that, okay, relax, hold. And obviously, you know, holding the stroke and holding good technique when you're under that really um, almost hypoxic load and really suffering and not dropping the elbow at that point because that's what, you know, that's what we see at that first 200-metre turn can is, is it all goes to poo for, for a lot. And, um, and, yeah, and that really affect, it can really, you know, in the triathlon sense, can really affect their day. You know, it's just that's not the way you should start a race. Not an endurance aerobic race. You should go <laughs> easy. And, you know, like for you and I, I and you're a much better swimmer than me, um, the truth is it's it's perfect for you because you're going to jump on that bike, mate, and you are going to be – you're going to be go. You're going to be white hot straight away. As for a lot of people, it takes them 5 to 10K to almost catch their breath and, and find their bike legs. Well, you know, I know for me, when that 10K, I've put another maybe a couple of minutes into them. So um, – you know, as, as the runners in the field for, the, for those guys, that's that's great for me. But so anyway, those sets, um, I know that I know those sets work well, and um, that's certainly something I I put in my guys' programs. Mm. And it's something I see, uh, especially when it comes to age group swimmers. So coaches that are, are taking younger younger kids, that's one of the the number one things that they teach them is that you want to be able to maintain your technique and your stroke under fatigue because that's where the speed is going to come from at the end of your race and if you let your technique start to fall apart you let that elbow drop and you start to over rotate or get messy with your with your stroke that's you know that's when you're going to start to slow down so yeah it's, it's a very hard thing to do but when you can practice that in training and, and we do a lot of threshold sets so say six twos uh, at threshold with 15 20 seconds rest in between the aim is to maintain the same time and hold the same technique throughout the the whole set, and and that gets you ready for for race day because you know you've it's it's about yeah it's just about controlling the your stroke and thinking about that when you are under pressure and you're tired and the heart rate's up and you're starting to uh, you know feel the your legs and your shoulders 
fill with lactic acid. It's um, that's that's the challenge, but that's something that I do see a lot of age group coaches teaching, which I think is uh, which is good, you know, because if you're new to swimming and you don't have the the years of swimming under your belt, you don't really know what you know what's going to hold your your speed for the, the entire race. So that's one of the the key things that I think is really important to teach young developing swimmers how the swim is going to work at the start of each Ironman event. Yeah, so right at this point in time, um, I'll be doing all my swims in a pool. We certainly looked at the open water option. Um, the, the reality with the open water option was it was just going to, logistically, it was just going to add uh, a whole bunch of extra work with liaising with surf clubs and rubber duckies and um, you know, swimming in the dark in the open water. So I wasn't too keen on that in, for, for Darwin and Perth, which um, yeah. <laughs> no, <thank you. laughs> didn't do a lot for me. Um, so we've decided to go with pool swims. Um, I will be using a, a, you know, asked around, asked a lot of close people to me that I, that I trust their, their calls on. And we talked about, should you do wetsuit or non-wetsuit? I was kind of all for the non-wetsuit and harden up option. But, um, the general consensus was, nah, look, it's an Ironman. Every Ironman in, basically in the world is a wetsuit swim. So I will be using a wetsuit. Um, at this point, I haven't fully decided whether I'll go sleeves or sleeveless. I know for me as a swimmer, um, being the type of swimmer I am, there's uh, last time I tested was seven seconds difference between a sleeves and sleeveless, so sleeve sleeves being faster. But the reality is, I, I fully expect to have um, some pretty healthy shoulder fatigue <laughs> towards the back end of um, you know, I don't know after Ironman number three or four. So um, I'm going to do some testing in the next couple of weeks um, where I'll like do a couple of really big days, I'll run really late at night and then jump in the pool at 5.30 a.m. the next morning and, and just do some 400-metre time trials and just test out, okay, what's the differences in the suit when I'm swimming more aerobically as opposed to, you know, threshold-type um, pace? Mm. Um, because that's the reality of how I'm going to be swimming. I'm not going to be racing. I'm going to be just swimming, you know, aerobic steady state. So, um Yes, I see more than likely, my guess is uh, the last half of the swims will be in a sleeveless wetsuit. So, um, yeah, so aside from them being a little bit warmer in the pool, um, it's a really nice and controlled environment. Obviously, it allows if someone's um, a better swimmer than me, they can swim 4K, and if someone's a little bit slower, they, they can swim 3.5, and, and that way we can all get out together and uh, jump on the bike if, if that's what they want to do, if they want to come for a spin afterwards. Now. You're uh, you're raising money for a um, for a cause. So this eight in eight in eight is um, is raising money for a, a cause that's important for you. And uh, your target is eighty thousand dollars. Is that correct? That is correct, man. So um, the John McLean Foundation is is the the, the foundation. Back in I don't know ninety four or ninety five, I remember sitting on the couch. I'm not sure if I was too hungover or anything like that, but I think it was footy finals time, and I just remember watching um. John McLean become the first wheelchair athlete to finish Hawaii. Um, you know, he pulled in, there's some very famous footage of John pulling himself, um, up a hill backwards because it's quite a steep hill. Um, and I just remember going, you know, it was just a real moment in time and just going, okay, if he can do it, I can do it. And I don't know, two or three years later, I did my first Ironman and then it's kind of rolled from there. Um, so yeah, so John has a foundation that, that, um, not only buys wheelchairs for kids that need wheelchairs, but um, you know supports families that that have kids in wheelchairs, whether it's 
home re- or house renovations for you know ramps or, or whatever it is. Um, so th- they do some really good work for kids, and I don't know, mate, I just um, I I feel very lucky. You know, I, I think you know potentially I'm coming to the end of my career, and I just feel very lucky for the amount that um, I've been able to to do. I guess with my legs, and um, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, it's, it's something I feel um, very privileged to be able to do, and it, and it is, I guess, the way I wanted to go out on my career is, is raise some money. I've never raised money specifically for anyone before, and just has, has a good synergy for me with with John and triathlon, and you know, John went on to do the Olympics. He did rowing at the Olympics. He swam the English. He was, I think he, was, he might have been the first wheelchair athlete to swim the English Channel, I think. Hmm. Um, so, you know, just, uh, and he just fits with everything that I believe in. He just, he's just not afraid to have a go. Um, and he backs himself and he's just a, he's a hard ass. So I, I just have a lot of respect for John. So, yeah, so the 80 grand came that, you know, basically the cost of a, a kid's wheelchair is about $10,000. Um, so my goal is to, I, w- I would love for a kid in each state and territory of Australia to, to benefit from this. And um, if I can raise 80, that'd be amazing. If I can raise 100, that'd even be better. So I'm um, certainly trying um, as best we can to, to um, get some awareness out there and, yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully hit those numbers. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, I know that uh, – uh You've got yeah, got a lot of support already, and, and anyone listening to this, I hope that you can uh, spare some change and support the the foundation because I think it's a, a great cause. And I mean, what you're doing is a very selfless thing, and and you know, raising this eighty thousand dollars would would mean you know, a, a lot. And so, I mean, eight 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 people, eight wheelchairs that would um, yeah, that would play a huge part in their lives. So, uh, in the show notes, I'll link to the donation page, and um, and for people who are listening and would like to follow your journey with the eight Ironman events, where's the best place or, or where can they sort of follow you as you lead up to, to the eight in 18.8? Um, yeah, before I say that, mate, look, I, I will say this public, uh, I just want to say a massive thank you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, to Brenton. We gave um, an amazing donation the other day and um, it truly was um, very humbling and uh, I was actually a little bit gobsmacked and, I know, Brendan, um, the next day I went out and absolutely smashed myself for two and a half hours. I was on <laughs> such a high from um, I don't know, seeing, seeing what you'd done. So I really appreciate that. Um, That's my pleasure, yeah. My, yes. my uh, Going back a number of years, my uh, brother was in a wheelchair for a number of months. He had both legs in plaster. He uh, had had some operations done to, to fix his feet. And, uh, and I saw how... Just, just the, I guess the uh, pressure, uh, the just how how challenging it can be for someone who's in a wheelchair, and you know it's a lot for for parents to um, have to to manage and and just basic things, you know, getting around. It's it's a lot of work. So um, the cause, I guess, resonated with me a lot, uh, and then just knowing you and and Lyndall so well, and uh, seeing the amount of effort that you've that you've put into this, um, it was, you know, it was a, a no-brainer for me to um, to support what you're doing, and uh, and I'm really looking forward to you completing this this eight and eight and eight because it's uh, yeah, it's a huge challenge, and uh, I know you've put the work in to do it, and uh, just uh, yeah, I'm happy I can help in in any way that I can. No, mate, it's um, 
it's a sign of what a, a great guy you are and I really, really appreciate it. Um, and we have to talk about that. So I know you've got Ironman New Zealand, which is kind of the, the day before my first one, And um, but I would love to have you on the course somewhere, um, somewhere on the course, mate. So if, if I can see you in Melbourne, and we will be opening it up to for, for anyone to come along. Um, basically what we're going to do is set up like a little donation, a separate donation page that if you want to come along and swim, bike, run any of the event with me, um, I'd love to, love to see anyone come along. Um, but initially right now, um, I have an everyday hero page set up. So you can go to the everyday hero site and just search eight in eight in eight. Um, on social media, it's all under the hashtag eight in eight in eight. Um, Outside of that, yeah, also on my website, which is uh, nolimitsendurance.com.au. So, yeah, thanks, mate. I really appreciate the plug. Fantastic. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, mention? Um, uh, look, I, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate to have a great team around me and um, obviously my wife's a massive part of that and definitely not possible without her, just full stop, end of story. Um, I have another friend who's basically taking on the project management role because it, it started to get way too out of control for me. Um, her name is Kate Patterson. She's doing an incredible, incredible job. Um, Triathlon Victoria actually have been outstanding. Grant and Alex, they've um, they've been an enormous help and they're, and they're really gathering. The, the, they're working with Triathlon Australia now to gather the state associations to help and provide support on the day. So, um, yeah, just really appreciative of, of their help helping bring that together. Um, I, I'm sure there's there's lots of people, mate. There's, there's, it's been really nice. So like people, just people that I didn't expect to step up have really stepped up, and you know, whether it's through donations or bringing meals around or, or whatever it's been, um, it's been nice to see that. And, and you know, certainly, you know, looking for motivation, and you know, just touch on what I said about you know your donation, and um, I have lots of things in the background that that motivate me and and it's not about going fast it's thinking about um whether it's thinking about some some kids or thinking about people that have just helped me um that that motivation has always worked really well for me and and it will do in march and and yeah i look look forward to um look forward to getting it done and having people uh close to me around me it'll be um should be good fun and and i hope everyone uh hope everyone enjoys it Fantastic. And I'll uh, yeah, put all those links in the show notes. I'll, I'll get it out on our Facebook page too so people can find it easily and uh, we will keep people updated with your progress as you're going and uh, I'm sure I'll run into you, run into you again at the pool before, uh, before you leave and uh, you'd love to see you out on course when you're, uh, when you're doing this thing in March. It'll be awesome. Yeah, it'll be uh, looking forward to it. It'll be good, good fun. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate you have, uh, being on the podcast. Brenton, really appreciate you having me. Thanks, buddy. Keep up the great work. Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com.